morning. In our days of smartphones, iPads, and Alexa, when almost every one of us, young and old, have some kind of device on our person at all times that can help us find out nearly anything that we think we need to know, I suspect that most of us have probably forgotten what it once was like to figure out how to drive or travel from one point to the next using a real paper map. I suspect that I may actually be part of the very last generation who actually still needed to buy or borrow a map or a road atlas when we received our driver's license. For me, that was the year of our Lord, 1990. To make our first journey out of the towns or the places where we live to a distant location on our own. As this past week came and went and I was watching friends post images of all the damage and destruction caused by the flooding in my home state and in my particular part of my home state in eastern Kentucky, I was shocked to see familiar places that I'd driven to many times in the past to watch high school football games or a bit later in my life to visit my two older daughters, grandparents and great-grandparents. And I couldn't help but recall as I was looking at these photos and thought about the places hardest hit by the floods, how even back then I'd have to use a map just to make sure I knew exactly where I was going. Today, like everyone else, I'd probably just open up the Google Maps app on my iPhone and let Siri tell me where to turn and how long my trip would take. But I'd also be aware that in the Appalachian Mountains of the southern United States, where I know some of you have been, whether it's in eastern Kentucky or southwest Virginia or east Tennessee, western North Carolina, even north Georgia or northeast Alabama, Google Maps probably is not going to have all the info you need to get to that other side of the mountain in front of you. Sometimes even today, you might just need to stop and ask someone locally how to get to exactly where it is you want to go. And where I come from in the hills and hollers of central Appalachia, telling someone how to get where they're trying to go is a bit of an art form in and of itself. Usually directions in the mountains begin with a question about whether or not you know where a certain family lives or where a gravel road comes to a fork or where a large tree has fallen recently or maybe even where some building that hasn't been in existence for nearly a decade once stood. And from there you'll probably be told to take a quick turn here, then a loop around something there, then a steep climb up the mountain with a sudden turn onto a dirt road by a fence post when you get to the top. And what's really amazing, I think, about all these directions, which were probably given to you by some old man at a gas station just outside of town, is that lo and behold, they are exactly correct. Somehow, if you can remember or just write down what he said to you, you will indeed find exactly where you were hoping to end up. Marrying my wife and spending a good bit of time these last 10 years in the wild and woolly backcountry of West Cork in Ireland has proven to me time and time again that people in rural communities everywhere have that same kind of mindset and approach to giving directions in their own native environment. It's just with a different kind of accent or language over there. 
Sadly, today, having the skills to follow these types of verbal directions may now be an impossible feat for our smartphone, Google Map-dependent children and grandchildren. But for so many of us, those days and ages were just what we had to know how to do when we were traveling along the highways and byways of rural America. And I believe, above everything else, these memories of how we once learned to follow directions without hard maps or smartphone apps should also bring us back in tune with a different kind of skill, the skill of finding trust. For it takes serious trust to follow directions from anyone we may have never seen or met before but who we know comes from that very place we really want to make it to ourselves in our journey. For not only did we need to remember everything the old guy at the gas station or the woman at the local grocery store told us all those years ago, we also had to trust in them to know where they were sending us to get to. As much as you may have never thought about it that way before, it is this very same type of trust in someone we do not know who can tell us how to find the one location we are desperately trying to seek out that brings us to a truer understanding of our Christian faith. In fact, in our reading from the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament this morning, the writer of that letter is doing nothing less than trying to explain to the church in ancient times as well as to each of us today what faith calls on us to trust in in our walk with Jesus Christ. In our modern materialist world and culture today, that word faith is often defined to us as something we put our hope in or believe in that has little or no proof to back it up. Some who obviously do not understand the spiritual life for the church might even equate faith with very base superstition. But brothers and sisters, the biblical word faith, as it is used this morning in the letter to the Hebrews, as well as in the entire Bible, is not at all about superstition or baseless beliefs. It is above all else about serious and well-founded trust. In fact, the Greek word pistis, translated as faith in the English New Testament, could also just as easily be translated fully as trust. For faith in the New Testament is describing our trust, which we are called to place completely upon God. Hebrews chapter 11 reveals to us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And the writer of Hebrews follows that declaration up with the faith and trust found in the actions of some of the earliest Hebrew patriarchs, focusing in this morning's reading on the patriarch Abraham. The letter continues by saying, By faith Abraham obeyed, when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land that he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. 
By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. Now, friends, this kind of faithfulness is certainly not something followed by Abraham out of superstition. It is an action based on well-founded trust in God's promises that were delivered. Trust given to God because every step of Abraham's journey brought Abraham and his descendants closer and closer to that which they were seeking most, which was a home a city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's where Abraham knew he needed to take his people. That's the faith that Abraham clung to always because in that faith emerged assurance of things hoped for and the conviction for things coming but not yet seen. And brothers and sisters, the faith of Abraham, I believe, can certainly be applied easily to all of us in all the way down to today. Certainly, we know from our past journeys and our past expeditions in life that we will only make it from one point to the next when directions we are being given come from a source that can be fully trusted. As someone who grew up in the mountains myself, I would definitely recommend that if you are traveling through any part of Appalachia and the southern part of this country, instead of ever trusting your Google Maps app, you'd be much better off stopping and finding one of the locals and asking them for more precise directions. And so the same thing has proved true for a millennia for any of us seeking something deeper something more eternal than these material things of the world, which we all should know already, will all fade away and disappear in time. If you are looking for a place that has a real foundation that can and will sustain you, that city whose architect and builder is God, then you should place your trust in the source. You should have faith and follow the path which is laid out to us from above. In fact, Jesus himself this morning is speaking to this exact kind of trust and faith in God in our reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says to his disciples and to you and me, his apostles today, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Honestly, you do not need to read this message from Jesus as telling you that you need to go out today and sell your house or sell your car or sell your season tickets to the Jags game this season. Though, let's be honest, those season passes probably would not bring a lot of money in to give alms to the church. What Jesus wants us to do most, brothers and sisters, is to give up our attachment to these material things of this world and to put our faith and trust in spiritual things, those things which no thief can ever draw near to, no moth can destroy that we can cling to for the rest of our life and beyond our life. Jesus wants our trust and faith to be in God, 
in God's promise to give us God's kingdom. Just as God did for Abraham, God through Jesus Christ promises to do the same thing for all of us, to give us that city whose builder and architect is God and within whose kingdom life will truly be eternal and death itself will finally be destroyed. We are called, brothers and sisters, to make this kind of hope and promise our treasure and to set our heart on it above all else. For the good news it promises is that the one thing that we will never lose, that will never fade away, that will never again answer to sin and death is God and his faith and his promises for us. For we desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called our God. Indeed, he has prepared that city for us. Let us have the strength to pass along the good news and follow after his direction. Amen.